0: Uh, welcome back to week number two, to people problems. All right, if you've got a pulse, you've got people problems. All right, and uh, so if you've got your Bibles, I would encourage you to find the book of James, the book of James, and then also find the book of Proverbs. You know what's interesting about our Bibles are, it's really a collection of 66 different books written by 40 different authors over a period of 1,500 years on three different continents and three different languages. And here's what's interesting, that even though there's all those differences, there's one message. So no matter what we do, we get that one message in the book of Proverbs, we get that message in the book of James, we get that message whichever and wherever we're reading. Well, um... Today, I want to tell you a reality, and that is your relationships define your life. Whether you want to agree with me or not, it's true. You probably heard us make statements like, um, the only difference between who you are today and who you are five years from now is the books you read and the people you meet. The relationships that you are involved in are going to define who you are. And, And so today, what I want to ask you to do is I want you just to step back, because the problem is we're usually immersed in the relationship. And we see this relationship with a lot of nuances. And what I want to challenge you today is step back and I want you to look at the, your relationships objectively today. I want you to look at your relationships um, instead of subjective, mired down into the middle of it, factoring in all of the things that are going on in your life. I want, right now, for the next 25 minutes, just step back and look at your relationships. And, and another I don't know if it's a startling fact, but people are different. And because people are different, we should treat them accordingly. You know, the Bible uh, tells us that there's three different categories, and we see these in the book of James and in the book of Proverbs, and that is there's a wise, foolish, and evil category. You know, um, because there are different people, we should have different categories, and we should definitely have different strategies on how that we deal with that. For example, when it comes to wise people, you can talk to wise people about your problems. They'll probably help you solve them or at least give you a solution and it's up to you to apply it. Uh, When it comes to foolish people, you should probably talk to foolish people about consequences because inevitably something that they're doing is going to lead to a consequence. And then when it comes to evil people, um, you probably should not talk to them at all. Now that seems to be a harsh statement. But But first of all, you need to accept that not everybody is spirit-filled. Not everybody is wise, Not everybody is responsible. Not everybody is teachable, and not everybody has your best interest in heart. And so when I talk about that evil person, um, the evil people hurt people. The reality is probably most of them have been hurt. You know, they may have been hurt in the church, they may have been hurt by a relative, they may have been hurt by Uh, A work a job and so they now reflect that on other people not only that but sometimes evil people um, almost have a sense of entitlement they deserve and if you don't give them what they deserve then they lash out they make threats they might make threats to you or they might threaten you to hurt somebody that you love we see parents do this in the middle of divorce We see siblings do this with the sibling rivalry. And the bottom line is evil people are going to do what evil people do. You know, the the word evil comes from the the word devil. And the word devil means the accuser. And that's probably one of the easiest ways to spot somebody who is evil is they're accusing you. They're accusing you of thinking you're good because you go to church and they don't. They accuse you of thinking that uh, you're better than them, even though they know what you did for the last 10 years. Evil people are going to accuse you. When it comes to foolish people, it's a little bit different. When it comes to foolish people, what you're going to know is that, look, I'm giving you a piece of advice. You can take it or leave it, and that is stop talking to foolish people about problems. Stop talking to them about your problems because they're going to take that and use it, and, and they're probably going to share it. And stop talking to them about their problems, because most likely they're not listening to you. They don't want to hear your advice. Boy, if you could just grasp that, and if somebody doesn't ask you for your advice, they probably don't want it. Seems like tough medicine, but boy, don't we have a hard time, because we want to help people. And stop supplying them with resources. All they're going to do is squander it. And you're going to get frustrated because it was your resource. So we should be dealing with foolish people on the terms of setting limits. And I'll talk about boundaries next week and consequences. And there's consequences for all of our actions. The question is, are we the responsible people going to bear it or is the foolish person going to bear it? And more often than not, the foolish people have a way of transferring those consequences to us. Now remember this: when I talk about evil people, when I talk about foolish people, or I talk about wise people, it has nothing to do with intelligence. Matter of fact, some of the wisest people you know are uh, not that intelligent, and they'll tell you that. Some of the um, most foolish people you know have an IQ that would astound you. And so, when it talks about wise, this is a person who's humble; they're teachable. Really, that's the big difference between a wise person and a foolish. Wise person is teachable foolish person, not so much. Wise person is willing to change, foolish person, everyone else needs to change. What is wisdom? Wisdom is nothing more than knowledge applied. See, it's worthless. Wisdom is, if you don't use it, um, it's not that you lose it, it's just, it's not there. It's like uh, energy, kinetic energy is when it's moving. And that's what happens when we apply knowledge. We experience wisdom. You know, Proverbs 120 tells it this way. Wisdom cries out in the streets. But the problem is wisdom gets drowned out by the urgency of today. Wisdom gets drowned out by uh, the friends that you have in your life. Wisdom gets drowned out by all of the cares that you have. And so others ignore her when it comes to wisdom. Some will avoid wisdom. Wisdom even though she holds health, even though she holds um, probably even wealth and abundant life. We just throw wisdom to the side. Well, today I want to share with you six different relationships. And if you've got a note taker, I would encourage you to pull this out. Uh, For no other reason than you'll know when I'm close to the end. All right. Um, But yeah, I would pull this out because I'm going to talk about these six Types of relationships. So I told you uh, relationships define your life when I started, but I also want you to understand something else. Relationships cause most of our suffering. Most of the hardship, most of the heartaches are because of relationships. See, you can get through the loss of a job. You can get through uh, the loss of a loved one when you're in healthy relationships. When you're not, it gets a lot harder. And as you look at these relationships, I want you to understand there's a difference between problems and patterns. Problems are isolated. Problems are one-up. You know, um, it could be very simple as there's a person at work and and that's a problem, or the way that you handle the situation, um, that's an isolated, that's a problem. But then there becomes patterns where either you continue to make the same decisions or those decisions, they get linked to everything else in our life. We link them. We tie them together. And so instead of it just being an isolated problem, it becomes a pattern and it starts to affect everything in our lives. Well, let me talk about the six relationships. The first one that you have on your note taker is the wise combined with a foolish person. So now I'm just going to make an assumption today that all of us in here are wise. We're the wise person. All right. Now, uh, I may be wrong, but you know what I'm looking. You guys are a good looking group. You're looking sharp. I mean, this is, this looks like the smartest group I've preached to all day. <laughs> when you are involved as a wise person in a relationship with a foolish person, this relationship needs to be a parental relationship. I don't care how old they are. I don't care if you're younger and they're older. When you're in a, a relationship with a foolish person, you better be focused on a parental relationship. Why? Because foolish people are going to do foolish things. Foolish people believe it's easier to find somebody uh, to do what they need to do, find wise people, than to do it themselves. And we start off in that relationship wise, but then we start doing things for them, and we automatically, we just pull ourselves into that foolish category. Foolish people give their responsibilities to responsible people. A wise person would be smart and give it back to them. It's hard. It's tough, especially if this is a close relationship, especially if this is a relative. Think about this parents still paying their adult children's bills. Don't go there. People whispering, you didn't tell me he talks like this. You know, their seasons are okay, but it shouldn't be a lifestyle. And if it is and you choose to make it that, understand there's consequences. And as long as you're willing to live with those consequences, it doesn't make you wise. But at least you knew. You went in with your eyes wide open. You know, children are great unless you're married to one. <laughs> those relationships aren't so good. Those relationships are tough. And you know, and I'm not just talking about the husbands being the child. There's some women that are just as bad. You got to be careful. So let's follow Jesus' example as a wise person on how to handle relationships with the foolish. And so I'll give you three words. One is woe, the other is grow, and the last one is go. Say those with me. Woe, grow, and go where was the woe? Well, the woe is uh, Jesus called a lot of people to repent. He caught them um, and saw them, and he said, stop what you're doing, and then he invited them to join him. Do you know there were people that uh, Jesus called to be a disciple, and they didn't? They left. Then there's the grove. I think of the woman at the well. Jesus got into a religious conversation with her, and he he, he corrected her, and then she grew by going back to town. She put behind her her whole past. She put behind her the fact that she probably was the outcast of that city, that village, and she came back with them all, introducing them to Jesus, introducing them to the Messiah. That's what Girl looks like, and then there's go. Remember the story in the Bible about the woman caught in adultery? Now, everybody asks the question, where was the guy? Why wouldn't he drug in before him? But at the end of that conversation, what did Jesus say to her? He said, go and sin no more. And folks, you are feeling the Holy Spirit tell you today to repent. The Holy Spirit is saying, whoa, there's something that you're doing. There's a life that you're living. And God in heaven is saying, stop and invites you to have a better relationship, to invite you to have a much better life. But you have to grow through that. You have to be like the woman at the well and be willing to, in spite of your past, even though you're embarrassed about it, even though all the people that you're going to tell about it are the people who know the worst about you. You've got to be willing to accept the grace that God gives. You know, uh, today is Sanctity of Human Life. We, we played this video Undoubtedly, I would expect that there are ladies in here who have faced abortion and and probably made a bad choice. The question is, will you accept the grace that God gives? Or will we say, I don't like those people at church. Or will you go? Will you go and sin no more? That's our question. It's not just about abortion. It's adultery. It's Pornography, man. It's lying and stealing. It's hurting people. Will you go and sin no more? That's what the Holy Spirit's telling you today. Well, we don't only have the uh, wise and foolish relationship, but the next relationship is the wise and the evil person. And and if you don't hear my voice, I'm telling you evil people are predators. Evil people are following their father and they want to steal, kill, and destroy the things that are in your life. Evil people are the ones that when you get a promotion, uh, they tell you all the bad things about the promotion. Evil people are the ones when good things are happening in your life, they remind you of your past. Evil people are the ones Um, that approach you and invite you to do evil with them. The example with Jesus was the devil himself, Satan. Satan invited Jesus to go and do evil things with him, to rule the world. I'll give you everything that you can see. Jesus said no. But you know what? Satan hasn't stopped, and evil people are still asking people to join them in evil. And it happens in the church. It was the religious people that crucified Jesus. The Romans didn't even want to do it. But it was the Jews that said, we insist. And it was the Jewish leaders that built up the people in that area. The wise person, when it comes to being in a relationship with an evil person, creates distance. Because if you don't, they will pull you in. And it's much more likely that you are going to go over to the evil side. Now, you hear that word evil and you're you're conjecturing some pretty horrible things. But the reality is that if you aren't wise, if you don't create that distance one day, three months later, six months later, nine months later, three years later, you're going to find yourself doing the very same things and you're going to wonder, how'd I get here? And the truth is you didn't create distance. Well, the next relationship is foolish plus foolish people. When you have a, a foolish plus a foolish person, uh, this is what uh, we call a codependent relationship. Codependent relationships, uh, one needs the other and the other needs to be needed. <laughs> the Bible tells us where that two fools multiply their folly. And I'm living proof of that. I think back to New Year's Eve in 1990. Down in Hopkinsville, Kentucky, me and a buddy, we uh, uh, spent the evening, and it was 1 o'clock in the morning. We're going home, and there's a stretch of highway, much like 51, but it's 41A, and it goes from Hopkinsville, Kentucky to Clarksville, Tennessee, and, and it's a nice straight road. This is where uh, us teenagers love to see what the cars could do. And so I wasn't driving, but the guy that was driving, he started speeding up, and and someone else in the car said, let's see what she can do. And he put the pedal to the metal. And this was one of them old tank-type cars where we were doing 110, and it was, you know how it just floating, like you're <laughs> gliding on air? I mean, I felt like we were in Star Wars in a hovercraft. And we were coming up on a vehicle, and he looks, and he says, do you think that's a cop? What do I say? No, it doesn't look like a cop. And that was before I needed glasses. (laughs) Remember, two fools multiply their folly. And so I fed into him. That's not a cop. We passed that cop doing 110. (laughs) It took him three miles to slow down. (laughs) I wish when foolish people got together, that was as bad as it got. $175. He he could have taken us to jail. Probably should have. But he didn't. See, when you're in a codependent relationship, you get squishy with the truth. You love them. I'm just, this time. And then if you're a Christian and you're in a codependent relationship, you call it grace. I'm just giving them grace. Folks, you'll you'll not hear anybody speak stronger about grace than I do. But when you apply too much grace, you cross a line and you start enabling sin. You start enabling foolishness. You start enabling people to do things. Then in the church, we go the other way. Er, No grace. And we get focused on the truth. And we get foolish in the way that we apply truth because what happens is when all you do is focus on the truth, you hurt people needlessly. And make no mistake about it, you can hurt. See, the truth hurts, but there's a difference between, you know, a baseball bat saying, hey, stop, don't go any further, and then taking it and cracking them upside the head. Jesus came across some foolish guys. He called them to be his disciples. One was named James and the other was John. Jesus called them the sons of thunder. I don't think that was a compliment. These were two loud, obnoxious, boisterous young men who he called from being fishermen. Not only do they lie, but they they speak profane. And so here are these two guys, and it's at the end of Jesus' ministry, and they are going to Jerusalem. And on the way, um, Jesus says, go into this Samaritan village, and let's get prepared for the rest of this journey. And because the Samaritans saw Jesus praying towards Jerusalem, they spurned the disciples' request. And so the disciples came back and James and John approached him and said, Jesus, do you want us to call down fire from heaven on these guys? And Jesus didn't rebuke the town. Evil people are gonna do what evil people do. Jesus rebuked his disciples. And that's what happens with foolish people. You need to rebuke. You need to call them to repentance. Invite them. Because if you don't, you're going to either enable the relationship or you're going to crush them. Well, the next uh, relationship down the list is foolish and evil. Foolish and evil are going to create an abusive relationship. Take it to the bank. If you find somebody who is foolish, you found somebody who is probably gullible. You found somebody who can be easily convinced. And when it comes to um, these abusive relationships... Evil people take advantage of gullible people. Evil people are going to use the foolish people. Most foolish people get involved with evil people because they can help them. They can help them hurt somebody that they don't like. They can help them hurt other people, and and they'll go after them, and they'll grab them by the throat, and they'll punch them in the face. But when that evil person's done punching everybody in the face, grabbing everybody else by the throat, guess who they're going to end up? Grab them by the throat. Guess who they're going to end up punching in the face? Guess who they're going to end up hurting? It's the foolish person. A great example is this Facebook. Someone puts on there that them and their spouse are having a tiff. Evil people see that and start instant messaging them. Old Johnny understands. The same Johnny that when you were in high school abused you, the same Johnny that ridiculed you, the same Johnny who wants nothing more than to fulfill the desires of their flesh. Wise people are pictured as the shepherd, foolish people, the sheep, and evil people, the wolf. And the Bible tells us that they usually are a wolf that clothe themselves in sheep's clothing. Revelations 12.10 tells us, That day and night, the accuser stands before God and, and accuses the righteous. And you'll find this, that the evil people are going to do that to you as well. They'll smile. They'll hug you. They'll act like they're your friend. And when you're away, they'll accuse you to the other people. And when someone tells you that, you're gullible enough to say, no, they didn't do that. They wouldn't do that. I don't believe that. Moms and dads you need to go through this book of Proverbs. The Proverbs, I think, was written for parents. It was written to give us advice on how to raise our kids. It was written to the young man so that he could make good decisions. But again, knowledge not applied is worthless. And so uh, when it comes to these relationships, if you're involved in a foolish uh, relationship with an evil person, uh, you're probably gonna get hurt. Well, the next relationship is evil and evil. When you see two evil people, you've got a dangerous relationship in front of you. When you see uh, two evil people in the Bible, I like to call them the Bonnie and Clydes of the Bible. Let me share with you a, a couple of these. Um, two of them were named Janes and Jambres. And in the book of 2 Timothy in 3.8, the verse will pop up and, and just read along with me. And it says that this, that just as Janes and Jambres opposed Moses, that's what... These evil people do. But remember, two foolish people put them together and they increase their folly, put two evil people together and they increase their danger. They increase the hurt. They increase. So who were these two guys? These were the two um, evil prophets that were trying to replicate all of the miracles that Moses was performing in Egypt. Well, if you go into the New Testament in Acts chapter 5, you hear about another couple named Ananias and Sapphira. Ananias and Sapphira joined into the early church. They were excited about everything that was happening. But, and, and so uh, they sold everything they had and they kept back a portion of this. But they went into the church and said, We sold it all and here it is. And the Holy Spirit told Peter what was going on and Peter pronounced death upon Ananias. A few hours later, Sapphira comes in and says, Where's my husband? And Peter asked the question, did you sell the land for such and such a price? And she said, yes. And he said, the men who carried away the body of your husband are at the door. And she fell down and died. Keep going on in the New Testament. There's another couple named Hymenaeus and Alexander. And here Paul is imparting to Timothy, a young preacher. And he says these words. He says, holding fast. To the faith and good conscience. And rejecting this, that some have made shipwreck their faith. Folks, you're going to come across people who've been in church and got hurt, and they don't want to come back to church because, and and what's crazy is the people who hurt them aren't here anymore. The people who hurt them have left, have gone, have probably been um, destroyed in their own lives. And yet they point back to those people. That's why. Folks, that's not going to help you on judgment day. You can blame Ronnie, you can blame Bill, you can blame Sally, but Jesus isn't going to hear that and God isn't going to factor that in. So Hymenius and Alexander, uh, they, uh, Paul says this, among whom was Hymenius and Alexander, whom I have um, handed over, who? To Satan. And what did he let them do? That they may learn not to blaspheme. You see, Paul and Timothy had a relationship of the type that we want to have, and that's the next relationship called a wise and a wise person. When you combine a wise and a wise person, what you find out is that the Holy Spirit works through wise people. The Holy Spirit somehow takes the advice that they give, which maybe seem contrary to everything that you understand, and allow it to bless you and to build you up in your life. So the question is, if we step back and we look objectively at these relationships, if you're not wise, what do you do? If you were honest and you're like Ronnie, I, I got to tell you, I've been foolish for the last ten years. Is there hope for me? Well, the Bible tells us that if you want to become wise, all you got to do is ask. James chapter one, and if you opened up your, or you found James, I would encourage you to open this up. I'm going to read verse five to you. It says, if any of you lacks wisdom, I'm not going to have you raise hands, but if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all men without reproach. What that means is if you'll ask for wisdom, God will give that to you in spite of your past. If you ask for wisdom, God will give you that wisdom. But the reality is most people just won't ask. The very last words of that verse says, And it will be given to him. Ladies, this is a gender-neutral term. It will be given to her. Better yet, it will be given to you. But you got to ask for this wisdom. Are you having a problem at work? Quit calling all the foolish people you know, quit publishing it on Facebook, and get on your knees and go to God and say, you know what? Pastor Ronnie said that if I would ask for wisdom. Matter of fact, it wasn't Pastor Ronnie saying it. It's Holy Scripture saying this, that if you'll ask for wisdom, it will be given. It's not an if. It will be given. Here's the problem, though. The wisdom is imparted to you, and then you put it in your back pocket and keep doing. And you're back into the foolish category. So one, if you want to be wise, you should ask for wisdom. And you should take James 1.5, you should plaster it on your visor, you should plaster it on your mirror, you should put it everywhere and you see that and every time that you're struggling, you just hold God's feet to the fire and say, God, you said, and watch God deliver. Unfortunately, our conversations with God don't go that way. Instead, we're God, why? God, how could you, instead of saying, God, how can I use this? And the reality is that none of us are greater than our prayer life. I've told you that there are four core principles that every Christian, every Christ follower should practice daily. And if if this isn't a part of your daily life, you are struggling. You are far from Christ. Number one is confession. Number two is reading God's word. Number three is praying. And number four is doing it, applying it. There's where the wisdom comes in. So you can either ask for wisdom, and another way that you can increase wisdom in your life is to walk with wise. Proverbs 13, 20. If you had your Bibles open to Proverbs find 13, and I'm just going to read verse 20 to you. And it says, whoever, who does that mean? That that means uh, Americans only? Does it mean men only? Does it mean women only? Does it mean children only? No, it means whoever. You are a whoever. And Proverbs 13, 20 says it this way. Whoever walks with the wise becomes a fool. Becomes evil. No, they become wise. Folks, I want to just give you a newsflash. You cannot control what people bring into the relationships in your life. Can I get an amen? amen? You can't control it. You can't control if they're evil. You can't control if they're foolish. You can't control if they're wise. The what you can control is how close they get to you. And the Bible says that the, if you walk with wise people, you will become wise. So what you need to be focused on is what can you control? And you can control how you are in the relationship. You control whether you're wise or foolish. You control whether you're foolish or evil. And the question is, which one is it going to be? You see, the only way for you to become emotionally sound, the only way for you to become healthy in your relationships is for you to be wise, for you to bring the Holy Spirit and invite him to be a part of your life. Most of uh, Christians walk through their life forgetting all about the promise of the Holy Spirit forgetting about the promise of how we can have our problems solved. And so as we look at this series, People Problems, and as you think about these six different types of relationships, the question is, as you step back and you've looked objectively, what needs to change? How do you need to change this? And so um, People Problems is a three-week series. And last week I talked to you about the 10 uh, laws of relationships, I hope that those rang true. If you did not hear that, I would encourage you to go and watch that. These three messages are powerful for you in 2021. And today, can you honestly look at your relationships and say, you know what, I'm foolish there. Can you look at your relationships and say, you know what, I've been a little evil. Can you look at your relationships and say, you know, I got lucky on this one. I don't know how, but that was wise. You know, I started off telling you that relationships define your life. I'm going to finish telling you that your relationships define your life. Maybe you're here today. There is no other relationship more important than this one, and that's the one that you have with Jesus Christ. You can be the best person, and trust me, there are some really good people sitting here today. There are a lot of good people watching at home. But it doesn't matter if you've never experienced the life change that comes with being a coming a Christ follower, accepting that Jesus Christ died for our evil, died for our sins. If if you can't do that, you are going to struggle. I'm going to ask the the worship team to come forward. They're about to introduce. This might be a new song for many of you. Some of the the words in the, the lyrics here are, while I was a slave to sin. You know, the slave to sin is what the evil person looks like. And the reality is many of us find these spiritual strongholds that the devil uses against us. And as good as we can be through our relationship with Christ, we can still be evil. And so it says, while I was a slave to sin, Jesus died for me. And then there's a one other part where it talks about grace. The words are, I'm chosen, not forsaken. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm here to tell you that you have been chosen by the creator. You have been chosen by God. You have been chosen. The question is, will we identify with Christ? Go ahead and stand to your feet. And and I, I would encourage you to sing as the worship team leads us. As a church, it's our honor to play a small part in all that God is doing in and through your life. And we would love to continue with you on that journey. To find out what your next steps could be in your relationship with Christ, simply go to www.tbccentralia.com forward slash next. You see, here at TBCC, it's our mission to lead people to become fully devoted followers of Christ who walk by faith and not by sight.